think most of the players at this point just want to play pickleball and know what's happening, whether they are or aren't merging. The largest payout ever in pickleball at that point. They almost swept us 3-0, but we came all the way back and beat them in a dream breaker. I think I hit a winner on Riley and I got it down low on him and James yells out. And like, if I'm being smart about it, I probably shouldn't, but like sometimes you just got to dunk on a Karen. I think we got to start like miking up some of the practice sessions or something like for sure. You want me to read you the, the list of people? I would say if there's advice that I have for players, it would be experimenting with, with new stuff. So yeah, we'll have a new line at some point in 2024. It sucks. <laughs> Controversial, innovator, shit talker. What words would you use to describe Zane Navratil? One of the most interesting aspects for me in these conversations with these players is the chance to hear these backstories from their perspective, especially championship matches like winning MLP titles, which Zane has three of. What goes through their mind? What's said behind the scenes? Who is behind the person we see on the court? Find out in this episode with Zane Navratil. Real quick, I just want to say something regarding this video. Uh, first off, I just want to say thank you for clicking on this video and giving me the chance to share with you what Zane and I created. I just want to give you a heads up that during the filming of this podcast, I experienced some camera issues. Thankfully, between the two cameras, it was the one that's pointed at me that had the issues. So the one pointed at Zane is perfectly crystal clear. Everything looks good. The audio on both sides is great. It's just that the camera that was pointed at me just got out of focus in and out throughout this video. Again, thank you for being patient and understanding. Without further ado, my guest, Zane Navratil. Yeah, that's interesting too, because my mom is Indian, my dad's white, and like me and my dad are had that just like friends relationship, and then my mom was like the more of like the disciplinarian, like Asian, like parent. I think there are there are you know there are plenty of differences, but there are some similarities between you know uh, like different types of Asian like. I think the parenting is is somewhat similar between Asian cultures. Like, yeah, um, yeah, that's so funny. Like disciplinarian for sure. <laughs> is, your, is your mom like straight? For, did she come from India? Mm-hmm. So she's is that first generation? Yeah. So yeah, she she came over when I think she was like twenty three or something like that. Oh damn! So she's like cultured, like has an accent. She probably cook the food real well oh yeah for sure yeah she's got a she's got a little bit of an accent she's been here for you know since probably the late 80s early 90s okay um and you know they speak they speak english in in india so like she knows the language really well but there's still a little bit of the the indian accent and it's funny when she talks to her family on the phone then it just goes like straight apu accent like (laughs) she'll be speaking english but and she she doesn't have very much of an accent, but then she'll be talking to them, and she'll be like, "Oh, Zener had the very best marks in school today." <laughs> like it just comes back out. You want any of these? I'm all good, thanks, dude. All right. Jack, fucking. He probably tore him up, huh? <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude, um, this is weird. This is crazy. Uh, yeah, I I think I've told you before, but I remember just watching your videos on YouTube. Like, yeah, I guess like three years ago. You, Sincola, that Asian guy with the glasses. Asian guy with the glasses. 
Yeah, it was one you guys were. I think you were in like Minnesota. Oh, and Jerry. Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Is he? Does he like play competitively on high level? He does. Uh, I mean, he really only plays around like the Midwest area. So oh. yeah, that guy's cool. Yeah, he, he was solid. And I remember the like before people even knew about Coop, like she was in those videos too. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember those ones. Yeah, we would always have some good highlight points back that back in the day. <laughs> Altoff would drive in. We'd play with like the Badger. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, those were sick. We would watch those videos and just be like, "Oh man, like pick apart like this and that." And it was cool because it was like indoor facilities weren't really a thing, especially like dedicated facilities like three years ago, which is kind of crazy to say. And you guys had like your own little, like, it looked like a bunker and you're like, yeah. where the f- is this? No one knew where it was. <laughs> yeah. It was that was like- Sincola's lab back in the day. His, his mother-in-law rented it out and, uh, they put in a pickleball court. It was in like the middle of this office park in Crystal Lake, Illinois. And I would drive an hour and a half each way to go over and, and play. I put it on some serious miles on my car back then. <laughs> oh my God. Damn. Yeah, that's dude. Crazy. Those would be like seven hour round trips i'd i'd i would drive an hour and a half go play for four hours drive an hour and a half back it was brutal (laughs) shit damn gotta do what you gotta do that's so those stories are so cool though when you're like early on in your career like you do like you are like just grinding away and doing that not that you aren't grinding away now but i guess like the grind was like more tedious and like you had to do things like that like drive hour and a half one way damn that dude that wasn't even the worst of the the grinding that was when i went Mm full-time like before that i was at at deloitte and we i was working from like 7 30 in the morning till about 7 30 at night because it was our busy season and in order to get pickleball practice in me and kyle slinko the guy who runs boxcar productions we would go practice at uh, at the YMCA from 5.30 to 7 every single morning, and then I would go work 12 hours and come back, get home at like 8.30 because it was like 45 minutes away. And we would go, we would play with a Franklin ball on a gym floor, just the two of us. And that was like, that was the absolute worst, but we made it happen. Looking back at that, I'm like, damn. <laughs> I hate playing on those like basketball floors. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, beggars can't be choosers. It's better (laughs) than not playing any pickleball at all, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Building Pickleball. I'm your host, Brian Lim. Thank you to my sponsor, Viore. My guest today is Zane Navratil. Zane turned pro in 2020. It's over 100 medals won, holds three MLP titles, has had two signature paddles. Zane, Welcome to the show, man. What's going on, dude? I didn't know you were sponsored by Viore too. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'll take off this. <laughs> so I'll take off the squeeze sweatshirt. That's a dope sweatshirt, though. Uh, well, thank you. They, it's, I love it. I love myself some some crew necks. But I got the Viore pants on. I got the Viore shirt outfit. On. This wasn't even planned. <laughs> I just always wear it. They're sponsor of the uh, of the pickle pod too. So hell yeah. When did you guys? How long have you guys been sponsored by them? Um. Probably at least nine months or so, I would guess. But it was easy. I just like wore all the same stuff I pretty much always wear. So yeah, it's like a no-brainer. Um, is that the Strato Tech T? 
you lost me there. I don't know. They all feel great. <laughs> He's a phony. <laughs> I don't yeah. know the I don't know the technical terms, you know, but uh, it's it's good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, their stuff is awesome. What have you been up to recently? Okay, actually, there was I was at the Paula Flamingo Classic Tournament. I forgot who I was talking to, but they had met. They were talking about like the pickle pod and when um, Riley was in town. And then Riley and Thomas were playing with someone at the lab against someone. They went undefeated against this other team. Were you on the other team? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Riley and Riley came to Austin. This is probably only like a week and a half ago. Um, he came to Austin to get some reps with with Thomas, and we also we filmed the pickle pod because he was announcing the his Pro XR deal. And me and me and Deckel played against Riley and Thomas for two days straight. We probably played like seven or eight games each day, and me and Deckel lost every single one. And we were like, "Damn, dude, this is the team that's gonna beat that's gonna beat Ben and Colin." Like they were playing unbelievably together so yeah unfortunately that was that was me and and Deckel but since Deckel's not here I'm gonna go ahead and say that Deckel was the problem because <laughs> this past weekend me and Eric Lang beat Riley and Thomas two out of three so Deckel's the problem yeah oh that's hilarious and oh. I made no hesitation as soon as I, as soon as we won that match, as soon as I saw Deckel the next time, I, I let him know that he was the problem in that match. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, dude. Uh, Desert Ridge, that was sweet. See you and Eric Lane get third. I mean, would have been first would have been nice, but yeah. Well, we'll take it. It's been a while since we've been on the medal stand, and I don't think uh, I don't think Eric's ever actually been uh, on a PPA medal stand. So. Uh, he played unbelievably. Uh, I think we, you know, we deserved it. We, we took out some good teams and, um, yeah, dude, Eric's a beast. He's playing unbelievably since he quit his job. So, yeah, that's like the secret ingredient. Yeah, apparently. for sure. Um, yeah, I've, I always thought Eric was like super good. I was like wondering why before you and yeah, even before you, I don't know who he was partnering up with in men, like in men's doubles, but I was just like, why isn't this guy getting better partners? I thought like at MLP, I think there's like just, they just didn't play as much together like him and Ben. So there's like some miscommunication, but like overall as a player, like his shots, his instincts, like his hands, like super, super good. And that like, it was proven in um, the match. The match I saw that you guys did in this past weekend was against Christian and Julian. That was dope, dude. You were hitting some clean attacks. Yeah, we uh, we decided we weren't gonna dink a whole lot. <laughs> we just decided, you know what? We're gonna rip some serves. We're gonna rip some thirds. We're gonna rip pretty much every other shot too. And you know, when it works, it works. Uh, it's high risk, high reward. And um, you know, I do think with the new ball, you can get so much more spin. I think that the the game is is speeding up, uh, even in men's doubles. Oh, so, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first game against uh, Christian and Julian, you guys won eleven. Didn't you guys win eleven zero? We won eleven one. Um, yeah, that was like a five minute game tops. Mm -hmm. The next game was thirteen eleven, and that was probably a ten ten minute game. Like it still was. It was a close game, but just a lot of scoring on serve and not a lot of tremendously long points. Yeah. Damn, that's sweet. What? Um, and then like, who knocked you guys out? We lost to uh, Deckel and Tyson in the in the semifinals. 
Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. That was a fun... That was, a, that was a fun match, too. Lots of body bags in that one. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I missed oh, it. Yeah. I'll have to look back and watch those. That's an entertaining one to watch. Eric tagged Deckel like four times. Tyson was shooting a bunch of them at Eric. Deckel got uh, Eric once. I managed to not get hit the entire time. Small guy so, power. Again, <laughs> yeah, again, it was his fault that Riley and... Uh... Thomas Beach all. Yeah, I'll go on the record. Now you're gonna get Deckel as your next podcast guest, I know it, and be like, Zane said this. So like, doing yeah, it. that's fine. See, I just own it and I'll say it to his face too. So <laughs> So this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to create like some tension. Yeah, create some beef. Um did you guys use the same game plan against Deckel and Tyson? Pretty much. Well, there were like, you know, there were some strategy changes, right? Like you know, we didn't really want to get into a, a long cross-court dinking pattern with Tyson. Um, you know, we had we had different places that we were looking to attack, but the main strategy was the same, which is we're going to rip third shots, we're going to rip serves, and we're going to play aggressive. Damn. Yeah, it worked out perfect for y'all. Are you guys plan to play any more together? We should. Um, there's still a lot of uh, still a lot of confusion up in the air about uh, about a, uh, MLP PPA stuff. But uh, if the merger happens, uh, which it's looking like it it might, I think Eric and I are definitely going to try and find some more together. What are the players ultimately like? What's the consensus that they want? The, do they want the merger to happen or not? I think most of the players at this point just want to play pickleball and know what's happening, whether it is or whether they are or aren't merging. I think they just want certainty it's kind of like the the markets right markets can react to good news markets can react to to bad news uh uncertainty actually moves the markets more than 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 anything and so right now we have a state of uncertainty people don't know what to schedule people don't know what what their pay is going to to look like you know i think no news is scarier than bad news did you you signed with mlp though right I did. Yeah. Yep, yep. I signed back in whatever that was, August. Speaking of that, I remember, okay, so I looked at your Twitter, and on August 28th, oh boy. 2023, Connor Pardo tweeted about their money being in the bank and over $5 million of it upfront money was going out, and you replied, I'll let you know when the money you guys owe me hits the bank account. Has the money from the PPA. <laughs> hit your bank account yet yeah we got that figured out okay <laughs> it was it took some some back and forth but we ended up getting that figured out hell yeah so got paid <laughs> that's that's good we'll take it yeah do they have any like mlp events scheduled for this year there are a bunch of them on the calendar but i don't think they can really effectively run a major league pickleball event for probably a couple maybe months after uh, a merge like you need a little bit of a you need a little bit of preparation time to to run one of these events like well like is there any chance that vibe would come back i'm assuming if the merger doesn't happen like the day that the merger doesn't happen is the day that vibe is again announced um that's you know that's their basically counter to uh MLP. Do you think the MLP is going to like get to that point? Like how, like, I feel like the problem or like the main issue with that people had with Kuhn was that he couldn't figure out how to generate revenue 
from MLP aside from like teams and like ownership changing? Like, have you looked at that at all? Well, I mean, I don't necessarily, that's true, but I feel like not full in context, right? Like MLP so far has hosted like not even 10 events, right? They did one in November of 2021. They did three in 2022. They did five and a half in 2023. So what does that mean? That puts us at nine, right? Nine and a half. So yeah, no, they, they hadn't very, they, they didn't have very many revenue streams, but it's still very much like a, a startup. And the, the model was to move the teams to their regions, right? Like I was on the Orlando squeeze, um, and have actual sort of home and away matches and allow the teams to sort of promote major league pickleball in their local areas. So I think it's, it's a startup. Like, I think the idea is, is sound. Um, do they have any revenue? Not really. (laughs) Um, but you know, I, you can always go back to the fact that like, if it's a good idea and, and there's a desire to invest in it, which there was profits. I'm not going to say don't matter, but there are different metrics of success that you're going to, to use, right? Like a a perfect example is I think Amazon turned their first quarterly profit ever in like 2019, right? Even by that time, it was one of the most valuable companies in the entire world. And it had never been profitable because it was just growing and acquiring market share. And people knew like that it was going to be, a a very legit company right yeah it's interesting you mentioned that i think uber just posted their um their earnings report and they just were profitable for the first time since like 2019 really since pre-pandemic interesting yeah i think so damn i I hope they're profitable now they're so much more expensive than they used to be (laughs) are they (laughs) yeah seems like it i own i own uber shares so (laughs) okay there we go congrats yeah (laughs) congrats no i mean like more expensive not the shares but just actual just the like rides. taking rides yeah. yeah um yeah it's, it's interesting but they um, got us hooked i do at one point they're gonna have like those flying do you, you remember those it's like called like uber air and they had like four propellers facing down and it was like this like air taxi Oh no, I don't remember that. Oh, they had like concepts and they had it like in one of the museums in DC and this is, I just don't understand how that was ever going to be practical, I guess like now, but yeah, who knows? Sounds kind of, I mean, it sounds cool, but it seems like they should let somebody else do that tech and then just (laughs) like, like they didn't invent the car, right? To use for Uber. They just let people use their own cars. So it seems like it was a slight departure from their from their model to start like trying to invent something completely new speaking of mlp you got your second we have three mlp titles one is it one or two with blqk we did uh two with blqk and got one with the uh the squeeze this year which one was like the most satisfying one i mean the first one was was awesome right because it was the largest payout ever in pickleball at that point. Um, I remember it was here in Austin. It was at dreamland. It was at night. Like 
the atmosphere was was awesome. So like the first time, I feel like there's always something special about it. But then this year in in Atlanta was pretty special as well because you know in the first half of the year I was on the Frisco Pandas and we didn't win a single match the entire time. And so to be able to sort of rebound and go back and win was awesome because again the crowd in in Atlanta was unbelievable. We were actually down two games to zero and they had multiple match points to finish the match. They were they almost swept us 3-0, but we came all the way back and beat them in a dream breaker uh, to take that win. And then also, you know, this year everybody was playing, right? In 2022, it was just the MLP players. This year, you know, Ben, Anna Lee, Riley, all of the the top players were were playing. So to get that that win in MLP under those circumstances is was was sweet as well. Oh, I didn't even put that into like consideration. So the one in 2022 was that the one that Chris and Will filmed? Uh, they filmed the second one that we won. So we, we we won in Austin and we won in in Columbus. And yeah, they uh, they came over and they filmed a bunch of like the preparation going into it and stuff. Did a pretty cool little documentary, um, which turned out well. And uh, yeah, they put in some work. Yeah, dude, that documentary is awesome. This is like probably like the 20th time I've talked about it because I'm just like that documentary is so cool. But then you look at the view count and you're like more, I, maybe more people just don't know it exists because like when you watch it, you're like, Oh, this is awesome. This like is capturing the moment so well. For sure. They did such a good job and yeah, it didn't like perform. We were just talking about YouTube before we even got on here. It's like no idea what people are going to actually sort of want to watch. Like You always think like, Oh dude, this is going to be, sick and then it gets like no views or you throw out some shitter video and it goes like viral (laughs) and it's the one that just randomly crushes it is always the opposite of what you think it's going to be you have two videos i was like watching i was looking at your channel before this you have like one the the one with the highest views is like 200 something thousand views is that the one about the serve weaponize Mm -hmm. your serve yep yep the second one is Oh, that one's about returning the serve, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Did you think either of those were really going to be like, we're going to pop off? Really quickly, I want to take a moment to thank my sponsor and also give you an exclusive discount for supporting this channel. So Viore is a clothing brand that specializes in athletic and performance wear for both men and women. If you haven't heard about Viore yet or tried it, ask a friend. Chances are they have or they know someone who has. I've seen it quite a bit, not only on the courts, but just walking around here in Austin. You can usually recognize Viore on any of the shorts because it is that circular logo with a V on it. So if you want to get that discount, go to viore.com slash building pickleball. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but also free shipping on any orders of $75 or more, as well as free returns. I didn't think that the serve one was going to pop off, but yeah, that's the one that's got like 200,000 views on it. And it wasn't even any of my serve videos about like the chainsaw, right? Because we did the chainsaw stuff in 2021 and 2022, but it was just a video called the newest way to weaponize your serve. And I was talking about how you want to make your opponent hit on multiple axes where Rather than just hitting it hard or hitting it deep, you want to have some loop to it was the essence of the of the video. And I was like, yeah, it's a fine video, 
I didn't think it was going to pop off like that. I did think that the return video was going to do well because it's something that's contrary to common pickleball knowledge. Everybody thinks like slice your returns, but with the the current paddle technology, if you're slicing your returns at the pro level, you're going to get absolutely eaten up. Like because if you are slicing your returns, it's basically just giving your opponent topspin. It, when it when it comes off of my paddle, every revolution of of slice that you're giving to me is a revolution that I can send back. Now it's not actually a one to one ratio, but like that's the logic. The more slice you give me, the more topspin I can hit back to you. And it is so contrary to like pickleball for forever, or even tennis. In tennis, people know like slice your return to come in because it keeps the ball low. Well, in tennis, you can take the ball, pocket it on your strings and send it back and wipe the spin off. In pickleball, you can't. So I did think that that one was going to do well. And I think it's like my second best uh, performing video. And the comments are just like phenomenal. Like it's just like random old 3-0 dudes be like, I slice and I have a lot of success. I'm like, I'm not talking to you, homie. Uh, (laughs) Like it says pro pickleball players never slice. If you are slicing and it works, you can keep doing it. That's cool. But like, if it doesn't work, maybe this is why. So that was exactly what I was going to talk about next was like the comments. Cause I love going into the comment section, <laughs> especially on other people's videos. I don't like it necessarily on mine. I don't fucking like it, but like I went into yours and I was like, what could people possibly be saying like negative about this? Like, and then I was reading like one guy, he had like the top comment and like 35 likes. He's like, it's exactly what you're talking about. I was like, Oh, well at like the level that I play at, this works perfect. And I was like, well, what are you like aspiring to? Like, if you know that you're trying to like play against the best people or you want to be like your best version, you know, you're eventually going to meet the people that will just return that with top spin. And it's just going to dip that ball, like right over the net into their feet or just like just pass them. And it's going to land in. Do you read the comments on your videos? Um, I usually skim them. I'm actually like, I I go through phases where I do reply to everything. And then recently I've published so many videos. It's hard to keep up with, with everything because people will be commenting on something from a year ago and it just continues to accelerate the amount of comments that, that I get. So I try to reply to people who leave like thoughtful, thoughtful comments on the, on the video. Um, so yeah, I skim them, um, Honestly, maybe I'm just a weirdo, but like I find the I find like the negative comments more entertaining. I'm like, this guy really, really took the time out of his day to write up four paragraphs about how much of a dumbass I am or something like that. I'm like, all right, dude. Like, so I, I actually kind of find the the negative comments pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I think I might be a, a weirdo for that. It really doesn't bother me. Do you ever snap back at them? Yeah. And it's honestly more, it's not like an anger thing. It's like, uh, all right, you want to play? We'll play. Like I, I talk so much shit on the court and this is just my version of talking shit off the court. Right. So like if somebody's going to call me like dumb or whatever, like that's fine. But like you started it, fair game. Let's go. (laughs) You want to play? We'll play. I don't do it too much and like if i'm being smart about it i probably shouldn't but like sometimes you just got to dunk on a karen yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
it's so awesome because like i've seen that recently like at the lab when i was like there to just like film jack and then like all four of you guys was like you sincola jack and carlos just like this shit the shit talking that people don't know that happens during practice like it's so funny it changed it changed my view of y'all i was like oh these guys are so much cooler now (laughs) (laughs) i think we got to start like miking up some of the practice sessions or something like it's just it's fun like we're all such good buddies and we also know like sort of when to stop like we're not really like trying to be assholes out there like we're trying to have fun and if somebody is having a bad day like we're not gonna ride them like um so like just today i was playing with or i was sitting out a game and like jack and john were were playing against deckel and carlos and for some reason i just decided that like i was gonna rag uh, relentlessly on jack (laughs) and which like jack is such like an unbelievable friend like such a good dude um and uh and so yeah basically like every point i found a way to just make it jack's fault every point that they lost and even points that they won i'd be like dude that was lucky or sinkola bailed you out or whatever <laughs> i was doing this for like five minutes straight and uh yeah it was fun gotta keep yourself entertained <laughs> it pays off it's like t- it's like thickening his skin for sure. There we go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm doing him a favor. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> I needed that justification. <laughs> honestly, he should Venmo you. 100%. I'll coach him up. Yeah. That's mental, that's mental uh, toughness training right yeah. there. <laughs> what was like, uh, you can kind of sometimes see like some of the on-court antics like during events. What was like the most heated match that you've been in? Like, was it the against DC pickleball team in the MLP, like against Riley? There's like some chirping there. Yeah. I would say like, that was probably one of the most intense. Um, I would almost classify heated differently, like animosity. Like maybe there was something chippy or like, um, you know, bad call or something. So I wouldn't say it was like necessarily heated. I would say that it was intense and there was definitely like some, some back and forth on that. And like James Ignatowicz and Jericho were just like yelling crazy stuff from the crowd. Like, I think I, I think I hit a winner on Riley and I got it down low on him and James yells out, it's not too late to change your grip, Riley. (laughs) And, And I think Riley said something like, I'm going to kick your ass or something like that. I'm going to see you in the parking lot afterwards. So that was Atlanta was definitely like the most intense, uh, the most intense match. I'm interested in like the t- team dynamic. I meant to ask this earlier, but like, since you've won three MLP titles, I guess like Irina's won like five. She won one. She won the very first one. She won two last in 2022. Cause I was on her team. I knew that one and with then, mad drops. And then, yeah, one with the mad drop. So she's at four, I think. She's four. Does anyone else have more than her? I don't think so. So you're at, so she's at four, you're at three, like. Ben might be at three. Yeah, so that's like not many people who have like MLP titles. Is, is Have you thought about that? Like, is there like a formula that you think is a catalyst to a good team? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, I think. Having a group of people that have, you know, like all of us on the squeeze had played college tennis and were good teammates. Like Andre 
Rachel and Anna all played really high level tennis. I played very, very high level division three tennis at Wisconsin. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> um, but like at the same time, I learned good skills. Like we were intense. We weren't like, we weren't the best players in the country. That's for sure. But like we learned how to be really good teammates and, and whatnot. And so that goes a long way. And I do think being a good teammate has like a, a strong effect on your success when there's a group of four of you as opposed to just, you know, yourself out there in singles or your, you and your doubles partner. Like it's a skill and it is a tangible skill that I think affects your rating essentially. Like I do think being a good teammate can boost the duper level of yourself and your and your teammates in major league pickleball um so we meshed well there weren't any like crazy personalities that you know wanted it to be you know all about themselves like we were we were a team um we all cheered each other on like the styles meshed pretty well and i think that's super important um and just players who like like energy um, I think is, is huge in MLP. <laughs> Whose fault was it on the Frisco Pandas then? <laughs> Whose fault? Uh, who, who do we have to blame? Well, I would say, I, I mean, we can blame me, I suppose. I'm, I'm not a first round pick. Um, so yeah, I'm not a first round pick. Um, so as Tim Parks has said, that was the the cardinal sin of the the Frisco Pandas was taking me in in the first round, and <laughs> really? I would say that's that's probably accurate. <laughs> I would I would have to agree. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, that was that was interesting because was DJ was the other male partner uh, for the last event. Yeah, we traded we had traded Matt Matt Wright. So Matt was originally the 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 second pick. Um, and then we had Yana and Lina. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Damn. Yeah. I don't really remember watching too much of that. Uh, yeah, we weren't on very many streams. (laughs) 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 Our days ended, uh, Saturday at about 9am. Damn. Oh, shit. That sucks. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's the, the crazy thing is I still had fun on at MLP and those like, you just bring it, you try your best. Like the matches are still close. Like the actual games themselves are close. Like we didn't put together three wins in any, in any, uh, match, but like, you know, there weren't, it wasn't like we were embarrassing ourselves out there. Right. It's not like the, the Detroit Pistons or something like that. Although I guess you can say the Detroit Pistons have more wins than the Frisco Pandas did. (laughs) (laughs) The Detroit Pistons of pickleball. Uh, yeah, I imagine those events are pretty fun though, because like just like as a spectator, they're great because you don't have all the like all the antics of all like the the amateur players and all the riffraff going on. It's just like just the pros, and then you know exactly what you're like kind of watching. It's great. Yeah, and I think it's good because you can schedule matches. That's probably the biggest thing. Like when I go to a normal tournament, people will ask me when I play. I'll say our bracket starts at 11 a.m. I don't know if they'll have a court for us at 11 a.m. I don't know which court it's going to be at 11 a.m. And after that, I have no idea whatsoever. (laughs) So here you actually have matches scheduled. Like you can get people to show up. They know when to show up. And um, 
I think that's that's important for the player experience and for the the fan experience. Yeah. Are you still playing any singles matches? Um, I will every Are now. You about and to then. MT up? I am. Yeah, I'm about, yeah. to, I'm I'm about gonna, to do I'm it. I'm gonna go for you. it. I'm thirsty. I need I need some energy. I'm gonna send it. This episode is brought to you by MTE. Hell yeah. It's not actually, but <laughs> I just need some MTE. I partnered up with, with these guys um, almost a year ago, actually. And like, I'm definitely pretty into, into health and wellness. And a lot of these like energy drinks and whatnot are, they got a bunch of crap in them. So this is really just like, this gives you energy without like hardly any caffeine actually there's a little bit of it in there i think it's sourced from like green tea leaves but it's got stuff like ashwagandha and like uh different types of functional mushrooms and whatnot like it's sweet i like mushrooms what type of mushrooms (laughs) (laughs) what type of mushrooms are you talking about (laughs) we had talked about that briefly and what your like day looks like and you had talked about how you have this list of every day you have this list of 25 things to do you wake up at 5 30 in the morning when did you start being like so regimented and then where have you gotten like some of your inspiration of how to optimize your day mm-hmm. um well, first off, I would say like something that I've identified about myself is I like improving and even in my pickleball game, like improving is my sort of my North star. Like it's, it's the most important thing to me and results are byproducts of that. Like, honestly, I have fun getting better at stuff and I think that's a good growth mindset for pickleball because it allows me to take pressure off of individual matches and rely on the systems that I put in place to, to improve in the long term. So that's sort of an overarching thing for me. Like I like to get better. I like to get more efficient in whatever it is that I do. So, you know, a lot of these things are just things that I've started adding over, over years. So, I started re- waking up at the exact same time every day because um, I listened to this Andrew Huberman podcast, which he probably recommends uh, getting a little bit more, maybe sleeping in a little bit more. But um, but if you wake up at the same exact time, your body adjusts, right? So regardless of whether I go to bed at 7 p.m. or midnight, I feel pretty good when I wake up at the exact same time every day. Like, you know, when you wake up and the alarm like just totally jolts you and you're just so groggy and whatnot, like even if I am for whatever reason out till 1am, which I'm never out till 1am, but if I were, I'd still wake up naturally at like the same time because my body tells me to and I'll be, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be tired, but I'd more tired, less tired than if like my alarm went off. So I wake up at the same time every day. Um, and then I have the, just a list of things that I try to get through on a, on a given day. And, um, 
a lot of that just came from from trial and error and just trying to get more and more efficient and make sure that I do certain things that I want to have done during the course of a of a day. When you wake up at 5:30, do you wake up off the alarm or just naturally? I wake up off the alarm um but I like I'm sort of starting to like stir a little bit. I also have my my thermostat set it's got Ooh, automatic timers have? so like well i love it cold yeah so we, we sleep at 66 but then 66 oh my god yeah dude like you're supposed ice. to sleep in cold yeah yeah you're supposed to sleep in cold 100 i'm at like 69 that's like hey, hey, and hey. i think it's cold <laughs> i see you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but what temperature do you sleep at <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Sorry, I'm actually to... like a 12 year old. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that up. That was just good. Uh, Damn. Okay. So I, I, you know, I like it. I, I like it cold. Um, so wait, when, when like your thermostat changes, does it go back up when mm-hmm. you're like ready to wake up? Yeah. So uh, like I start to sort of like feel as the temperature rises, like somewhere in the back of my head as I'm sleeping and that sort of starts to like wake me up. So I don't have like a, a sun alarm or anything, which I think is pretty cool. But, um, I wake up to the alarm, but I'm like in light sleep at that point. Yeah. That thing is like, technically you could use it as like a sunlight. It's just like a Philips hue light, but you can set in like the app, you can set a, an alarm for it. It's just like, it's completely different from waking up to sound. You like, you just wake up to light and you're like, it just feels way more natural and seamless. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? Like, why am I awake right now? You're like, Oh, the, like the lights on. And then it's so like less like, uh, like jarring than when you wake up to a, like a sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess now that like some of those sounds can be like progressive, it's like starts off low, low, and then kind of like increases in volume. But yeah, the light has been like interesting. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, like, from what I've listened to in podcasts and whatnot, that's, like, kind of how we evolved to wake up is is with light and whatnot. So I would definitely do that if I didn't wake up an hour and a half earlier than my fiancé. So um, I got to keep it dark and quiet while uh, while she's sleeping. Or you're just not going to make it to practice. Like, we won't ever hear from you again, probably. Yeah, no, we're we'd be in for a rough, rough marriage. <laughs> <laughs> when are you guys getting married? We're uh, we're less than two months away. So it's what are we recording on this February seventh? February seventh. We are uh, we're getting married March thirtieth. March thirtieth. So. Where are y'all getting married? The Arlo. Uh, it's in the on the west side of of Austin. Yeah. So as soon as I heard west side, I was like, oh, it's probably nice. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's very nice. Um, yeah, we. We didn't rush anything. Like we've been together since since high school. Um, high school? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, yeah. this guy's traditional. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but we've been together for ten years, right? Yeah. So we we didn't want to rush and we wanted to have like a nice wedding and That's cool. you know, we've been engaged now for like eighteen, nineteen months. So we've had plenty of time to plan and everything and um and yeah, I knew she wasn't, I knew she wasn't running away. She knew I wasn't running away. So yeah, but dates coming up soon and 
the nice part is we're prepared so it's more like excitement than it is like anxiety and nerves that's a good way to put it that's 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 sweet that's super cool um yeah dude you don't get nervous if you're prepared there's some stuff too like it's it's like a goggins mindset right did you read his books both his books i read his his second book i'm reading his first book damn that's so funny that you say that because when you're talking about your checklist it reminded me of when he was uh talking back talking about his time with his grandfather with his grandpa like sergeant jack and his sergeant jack always gave them a checklist of things to do oh, like, really every day um so that reminded me of actually like when you were talking about your checklist i was like this reminds me of Goggins. Interesting. That must have been his first book. I read Never Finished. Second uh, one. Yeah, it's so I read one. the second one. Oh, yeah, it is check- that one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I'm a shitty reader. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I have them mixed up. I don't remember the the checklist. Was it yeah. when he was on like a farm or something or like working on a farm? With Sergeant Jack. Yeah, okay. Now I do yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I haven't finished that one. It wasn't like uh, as... I guess like I wasn't as eager as like the first time, like can't hurt me. Like, man, I finished that book like super quickly. It's like great book. Interesting. Yeah. I read, I read never finished first and I just like tore through that thing. Oh really? And then, um, what's the first one called? Can't, can't hurt me. Can't hurt me is, Oh yeah. You got it over there. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh like I haven't I've been reading some other stuff before that. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, um, yeah, he's a psycho. Everybody's got to have a little psycho in him to be like great for sure. Have we seen your psycho? I think we're seeing my my psycho in the the behind the scenes with like the the checklist and and yeah, I think that's my my psycho. What is it? Just like obsession? I think it's for me. Like I've got these you know 20 some things that i have to do and like if i don't get those things done it's like in my mind until i do and then it's a way of for me to basically like relax like okay once i've gotten these things done like i can do whatever the hell i want but like until then like it's going to be on my mind how often do you go through the entire list I get everything done that I say I'm going to get done pretty much every, every day. Like I, I try to be, um, you know, realistic about what I can get done on a, on a given day. But like, you know, the, I, I don't remember the last time I didn't get through my, like my like sort of morning routine, daily checklist thing. Yeah. Damn. That's interesting. Cause it would just like, It'd piss me off if I didn't. What's the one thing that you dread doing on that or like that might take you the longest to do? I don't enjoy answering text messages. Uh, I get a shit ton of text messages. I prefer email. Yeah. It's just, it, for me, it's easier. I can just, I type it out on my computer and stuff. Um, you know, I can have, I can have my team help me out if there's something that, uh, that I can get off of my plate basically. Cause like I try to, I have my hands in a million different things. So I try to not do anything that I don't need to. Like, you know, I, I do a few things very well. I play pickleball, I create the content. Um, and really other than that, like I want to punt to people who are better than me. Um, so I, I try and have my team help me with basically everything, everything else. Um, 
and I've, I've got an awesome team that does help me with that stuff. So I have two who helps me with the most amount of stuff. So she does some like assistant type work, like calendar and, and whatever, uh, you know, travel and stuff. But she also does a ton of stuff on the, on the business side. Like she sits in on all of my, my calls and whatnot. And, and, you know, she's involved in like just general strategy and whatnot. So I have two, um, I have Ariel Butler who helps me out with, uh, with clinics and whatnot. Some of the admin there. Um, I have, uh, Aurora who runs the, the newsletter, which takes a decent chunk of time. I have Maddie who does my social media and now she's doing Sincolas. She does Ben's, she does Connor Garnett's. So she's awesome. Um, I have, uh, Spencer Laurent who's helping me with YouTube stuff. So he films and edits everything. You know, hopefully we should be able to get three months of content in a single day of shooting. So we do it all pretty much at one time. Yeah. Um, and then I have uh, my agent, my agency, who helps me out with all the sponsorship stuff. So, yeah, there's you know there's a lot going on, and it's much more than I can do by myself. So I'm really really lucky to have a, a good crew. Oh wait 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 hold on hold on I forgot I forgot two people who are gonna be really f- pissed if I forgot them. My mom and dad ship out all my paddle sails. Yeah, they have a store in Racine, Wisconsin. It's called uh, Dimples, uh, named after my mom. And they sell uh, um, unique clothing and jewelry. And so they have a big store, and I have like a 500-square-foot apartment. So I keep all of my paddles and whatnot over at their place, and they ship them to people as they order them from my website. So I got to shout them out too. (laughs) Yeah, you can't forget about mom and dad. I can't forget about mom and dad. Your parents. I remember like you were telling me that your dad used to play tournaments with him. And that was like one of your like most memorable events. And then I'm like trying to connect a couple of thoughts here. I know that like you had talked about something that you want to be like optimized for in the future is becoming like uh, like a good father. What do you think that you've learned from your dad that you would want to like take on and uh carry on into your role as a father like in the future yeah that's a good question um so i think something that sticks out to me about my dad was that like this is maybe a function of them owning their own business and having flexibility but um my dad was like always there to, to play, whether it's tennis or, or throw the baseball or, um, you know, play board games or whatever. Like we just did so much stuff together and he had the flexibility to be able to, to do it. So I would say, you know, there's a ton of hard work that, that went into that. And like, you know, they do these they do these um, jewelry shows where sometimes they're gone for you know a week at a time and they're waking up at 5 a.m. every day and working all day long and and there, there's definitely times where they have to grind, but um, but that allows them the the flexibility to to make time for for important things. Um, so I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. Like he was always there to, to throw around a, a baseball, play tennis um, whatever. 
And so we got to spend a lot of really quality time together. Did that, did the same thing in, in pickleball too. So damn, that's cool. Yeah. Like it's so like interesting, like what you kind of remember about like your childhood and like kind of like what you're talking about there is just like them being present, like your dad being present. Um, even though they're entrepreneurs, which entrepreneurs during their time, which isn't like that, that long ago, but like then it wasn't that easy as compared to now with like technology, like things weren't as like streamlined, but yeah, I feel like back then being an entrepreneur meant you really had to be like present, like in, you had to like physically be in a lot of these locations in order to like conduct a business as opposed to now you can kind of be like virtual, but that's cool that even with like the hours and like the effort that they put into entrepreneurship, they still made he still made like time for you and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. You know, my mom grinded a ton on the, on the business too. And, um, and yeah, I'm, uh, I'm lucky that they were both able to be around for, for whatever. So. Yeah. Cause you're an only child, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's interesting. Damn. Did you guys have pets growing up? Yeah. We had one dog, buddy, buddy. He was a goat, goat buddy. dog. <laughs> were your parents always entrepreneurs? For the most part, I mean, they worked a few jobs, but they, they've, I don't know exactly when they started Dimples, but for at least five years before I was born, they were doing that. Um, so as long as I've known them, they've been entrepreneurs. Has like that carried over into like how you conducted your life? For sure. Yeah. So like, even when I went into, even when I went into accounting, um, I worked at Deloitte for some time and, you know, my objective there was to work, get some experience and that like, you know, understand an industry pretty well and either work in the sort of executive side of a company or, or start my own thing. Um, so, and, and I'd seen the lifestyle for that they have. And I've always been on, been somebody that's like up for betting on myself, um, and trusting myself to like make it happen. And so, yeah, I, I mean, the biggest thing that, that enticed me was I saw the fact that they work hard, but their work, their hard work pays off in the form of flexibility and being able to be there for important things, right? They came to every one of my sporting events, like they even come to some of my, some of my sporting events now when they're all over the country. Right. So every single one of my whitewater tennis matches, all my high school tennis matches, middle school, basketball games, soccer games, all that stuff. Like they were always there able to be there. Yeah. That was actually something I was going to ask. Like, uh, how'd you guys end up in, or why did you guys end up in Austin? You and your, uh, fiance. Yeah, so we uh, we grew up in Racine, Wisconsin, and we kind of always knew we wanted to like go try something else and go explore a little bit. And so, twenty twenty two, well, actually, we were potentially gonna move and try something out in twenty twenty one, but Jenny won the Miss Wisconsin title, so she had to be in Wisconsin basically, and so she spent a full year touring around Wisconsin, doing appearances. And that was her full-time job. Um, so it was a pretty cool job. I got to go to a bunch of cool stuff with her. Um, so that pushed things back a little bit. And we decided that during that period that like, we definitely wanted to go try something else out. 
needed to do needed to like a couple of things to be there it needed to be like a cool place we wanted to go somewhere cool and it needed to have good pickleball check and check i think Austin's yeah. pretty good at both those for sure so austin was the natural sort of fit like i think the you know, the cool places that we were thinking of were, you know, maybe California or San Diego, um, you know, Denver, um, Phoenix, uh, Florida, and then like, you know, somewhere Northeast maybe. Also there's Austin, but Austin was the best spot for both cool and good pickleball. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess in 22. Yeah, there had been like quite a few pros here. Yeah. How's it like impacted your career so far? You know, it just makes it easier to, it makes there less roadblocks to to success, right? Like, you know, it puts the burden on you. Now there's no excuses, right? Like, Back in in Wisconsin, like it'd be so hard to get four guys together to to play a high level game, and so it didn't happen a tremendous amount. You had to drill, whatever. But like now, it's there are no barriers to to getting a good game. Like you just got to set it up. You can have a good game every every day. Like so makes it more convenient. Damn, that's sweet. Yeah, it seems like you guys have like good training partners. Um For sure. You want me to read you the, the list of people? I go down oh, the list. Yes. I've got it in a spreadsheet, surprise, surprise. Do you have it do you have it like this is my first call or first text? No, 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 no. <laughs> um but we got these we got a bunch of really good players that you might not have heard of there's Where's thomas shields on this list thomas oh no 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 under no circumstance maurice the grease is on this list but not thomas no <laughs> where's jt is jt on the list jt is not quite on the list yet so we got um austin o'reilly adrian ahmed maximo pete carlos etienne grant wyatt lauren vivian linna julian sincola stefan aj although i can basically take aj off this list where's he at now who knows <laughs> yeah, thomas uh colin deckel ben Leia, jack uh there's hunter and yates wyatt i think i said already like there are just holy shit. and that's not even including a bunch of the like good 5-0 yeah. plus players around so it's like you can get a game whenever you want basically yeah so do you get to play with do you get to play with colin not a tremendous amount i maybe play with them like once a month or so like i think they mostly just drill with each other ben and colin when you get to play with them does he just come out for like a foursome game or is it like you and him practicing I've drilled a couple times with those guys. Um, I'd say more regularly, it's like we get a game, me, Deckel, Ben, and Colin, something like that. Oh, okay. That's interesting. When you look at that list and like when you prioritize who you want to practice with, what do, what do you look for at this point? Because like this thought had come up like earlier in this conversation, but man, it's crazy because you've, you've only been pro for three years. I know you had talked about how in the past you were like playing tournaments with your dad from like 2014 to 2018. So 
you've been a pro for three years, but it feels so long that long ago that you were doing the chainsaw serve. You were like successful in singles and then also in like, of course, like other, uh, the other formats too. But like when you had the Franklin, uh, deal and you were like a sponsored Franklin player. So like, yeah, what do you, what do you look for now as far as like optimizing your game? In terms of like who I play with or who you play with and like what you look for, like how you can get the best like bang for your buck, if you will, like uh, from practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean like, you know, practice, like maybe this isn't the best answer, but like I want to play with people that are, that are fun. So like you saw, we were like, we were having fun. And at the end of the day, like, yes, pickleball is absolutely a business and a job for me but like if it wasn't fun i would quit Deloitte wasn't fun so i quit (laughs) like if i'm not having fun i'm not gonna do it i'm gonna go find something that's more enjoyable and like yeah so so you know i love the games that we play sincola jack stefan uh deckel like you know just fun fun dudes where we can like talk a little shit back and forth and and have a good time um because they're all at a good enough level, right? Like there's a certain probably minimum requirement. If it's shit pickleball, it's not going to be fun. Um, if it's shit people, it's not going to be fun, <laughs> right? So uh, yeah, good people, good pickleball. Like you don't have to be Ben Johns to to be like able to practice with Zane, right? Uh, it sounds so douchey, but like... <laughs> But yeah, if you're if you're a good dude and good enough at pickleball or good gal, good enough at pickleball, like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Like Carlos. Carlos is a perfect example. Dude was a shitter like <laughs> like nine months ago. But he was a cool dude, so we really? would hang out with him. And now he's gotten so much better. Oh. You gotta damn, send me man. this clip. I'm gonna send it to Carlos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carlos and I are like our good buddies. He's the one who runs the lab, as you know, and he was pretty new. But I was like, Yeah, this guy's getting better. He's just a cool, cool dude. He's grinding, like, let's play. Yeah. 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 That lab Carlos. Yeah. Of course. Cool dude. Um, yeah, I guess I'd never really get to see him like in a competitive setting as far as like playing. So I haven't seen his like progression, but that's cool to hear that he's just gotten better. I guess, man, if you surround yourself with Zane Navratil, Zane Gucci, dude, <laughs> what, what's up with that? Who, who I, I've been meaning to ask this. Who <laughs> honestly updates your Wikipedia page? There's some ridiculous shit on there. There's something that says you go by the name Gucci. There's also stuff that says, in quotes, tremendous skill in the sport, able to return shots from opponents that against most players would be winners. <laughs> I don't know. I think anybody can get on Wikipedia and and make a profile. Um yeah, I couldn't tell you. Where did the Gucci thing come from? Is that actually true? Nobody actually really calls me Gucci. So in high school, I was, believe it or not, kind of a little shit. <laughs> um, so I liked to stir the pot. I liked to, um, you know, just, I liked to poke and prod and and, and whatnot. And, um, but... I went through a phase where I thought I was really creative and funny and I made all of my different accounts based on like rappers or dictators. <laughs> <What>? so, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> so like I had some, uh, I had like a, like a, like my Snapchat account was like Kim Jong the illest. <laughs> and, and like, and by, uh, let's see, I had an Instagram or so I, we know I had, I had something or another where I was Waka Flocka Zane because like for Waka Flocka Flame. And then I also did Gucci Zane for my Instagram because I thought it was just like hilarious. And then nobody ever really called me that. I just thought it was funny. And then Kyle Slinko from, from Boxcar, um, when we started playing pickleball together, he was, he found that old Instagram and he started calling me Gucci Zane and he started calling me Gucci. And so it kind of caught on for a little bit in, in pickleball. Let's um, bring it back. Can we get t-shirts? Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. What is Boxcar Productions? It's just his little, it's his media company. They did the live streaming for a bunch of Major League Pickleball and APP where, events. Okay, that's where I like, I was like, oh, I feel like I should know this or they've like done something in Pickleball. Okay, so they did the, I remember the MLP events. Mm-hmm. That's such cool. Yeah, dude, he's a, he's a smart guy. Like he just saw, he's a great entrepreneur. Back in 2019 or 2020, he saw that like, people are just live streaming these events from their phone. Like Scott Golden was this guy who would just go to like 50 tournaments a year and literally just set up a tripod and record from his phone. He's like, oh, there's a need for for people to live stream these matches. And so he is a completely self-taught guy. And now he's like in charge of like live streaming some of these pretty legit events. Dude knew nothing about cameras at all like three and a half years ago, four years ago, so that's awesome yeah it's a cool story get him on the pod you'd have a fun time talking with him oh yeah yeah for sure that would be cool yeah i haven't really gotten like people from the creative side like i wanted to get this guy named jake lewis he was like the creative director for the ppa uh super cool dude like i think you could credit him for some of the transformations that happened in like the past year just like modern like aesthetics and transformations of how things look but then i think some think just like the terms changed um, just like with other people, like the hype guys, no comment <laughs> terms changed. Um, so yeah, I'll have to check him out, but like we keep going on the topic of like entrepreneurs. And when I look at your career, it's like pretty different from everyone else. Like if you like look at you, if you look at the players, then you look like how many of them have YouTube channels. Not that many, like how many ha are like at the top in the top 10 or have like been in the top 10 for at least like more than a year or more than one event, right? How, how many of them are like consistently up there? Then like how many of them have a signature paddle? How many of them like are like run clinics? Like what advice would you have for like or for players from like the entrepreneurial perspective of like how to really like optimize the opportunity that you have like as a player because then when you look at like your career which is not that you're anywhere close to like it being done um but you've had good sponsorships you even look at your website you have like plenty of good sponsorships it just like seems like you're the type of guy who just actually doesn't have enough time in his day anymore well i mean i would say if there's advice that i have for for players it would be that this does come to an end for everybody, right? No matter how 
good you get, no matter how much money you make in, in pickleball, like it comes to an end. And so, you know, you want to prepare for that inevitability, right? It's either you get old, the game passes you up, you get hurt, like it's going to end at some point. So I really didn't want to go back to being an auditor. So I'm making sure that like I can, I can make ends meet in pickleball if I don't touch a paddle ever again. Right. So that comes with building assets like the YouTube channel. It comes from promoting on social media. It comes from working closely with, with partners and whatnot. Um, and you know, networking, creating good relationships. Um, so I'd say like acknowledging the inevitability that pickleball as a player is going to end for everybody is not fun. Right. But I think an understanding of that helps you to plan for it, right? If you just sort of don't think about it, then, you know, you're at some point it's going to happen and you're not going to be prepared. So I would say like find something else within the industry that you enjoy and is income generating and start building. What came first, like among the things that you had that, probably brought you revenue like the signature paddle the clinics youtube channel like what seemed like the best option when you were first trying to figure all that out of like being more than just a player yeah so actually this came from you know i just i, I worked a ton of hours in my in my job and i was going to get reassigned to a different client over the summer in wisconsin and and so I was already working like 12 hour days and I was going to be working even more. And so I decided to quit in June of 2020. And, um, and the plan was actually to just teach some pickleball lessons over the summer while I look for a new job. And the lessons, the lessons really took off. It quickly turned into group lessons, quickly turned into small clinics quickly turned into larger clinics than multiple clinics per day. And so it started out with, with teaching and, and clinics. Um, and that was something that I've did a ton of through 2022. Uh, I created the, the APP Academy, which partnered up with the APP to put on clinics every day, every Monday after a tournament. Um, and so did a ton through 2022, um, not as many through 2023 and 2024 as I focused on things that don't require me to be there that are a little bit more, more passive, right? Because I would always be a bottleneck in a Zane Navratil clinic. If Zane's not there, the clinic doesn't happen, right? So I started shifting more towards things that I can do and sort of farm out and scale, um, like YouTube production, obviously I need to be on court there, but in a clinic I can be on court with 16 people at a given time. Like you, you saw that one video had 200,000 views. So I can help 200,000 people, you know, by f filming a 10 minute video or whatever. Yeah. Um, the scaling is crazy mm -hmm. and that can be repurposed, right? Like a clinic, you could film it, but like a clinic, you're only really doing that like once. And like you said, it's like, the limitation is how many people it reaches, but yeah, that video, like you have one video, it's like 20. I think your average is like, honestly, like anywhere from like 30,000 views to like 60,000, which is like huge. 
And another benefit is like most people don't really have to pay for it either, which is like you're also like providing like a free, free content, free service, free product to people. That's dope. And you don't have to try and squeeze everything into like one clinic too. You can like come out with different types of content. How do you ideate on the content, like the topics and like ideas? So historically it's come from just things that I've worked with people in person. Um, so Sally's having trouble with her, her forehand dink cause she's using her wrist. Like I figured out a lot of it's come from working with, with students. Um, I'd say more recently, I've probably been going a little bit more into the high level changes in the game, like players, not slicing returns, um, some of the newer shots and tactics, that are just the coming from shot. banana shot, yeah, at the at the high level of the game. Um, so, and then you know some of the creative stuff. Like we just started uh, filming pros versus five O's, which I'm super excited about. Where it's more entertainment. So myself and other pros from Austin play against very good players that just aren't quite pros. So we have really high quality of of play but we're also changing some of the rules. Like a couple weeks ago, we filmed one where the five O's had a wider court to hit into. We made the, the sideline 18 inches wider. We had one where um, Jack Monroe and I uh, had to play one up, one back. So I couldn't volley. Um, we had one where the, the five O's, where we had to stay further back from the kitchen we were two feet further away from the kitchen. And then the last one was the pros couldn't dink. We weren't allowed to hit the ball into the kitchen. If we did hit the ball into the kitchen, it was a point for the other team. So the kitchen was out if we hit it. So like we've, I've been doing some of that stuff and just like the ideas just keep flowing. Like those are just so much fun because yeah, it's just it, those are just genuinely fun to do, and definitely going to do a whole lot more. They're fun. You're probably learning like they won't ne- like. There's like this idea from like the ecological approach of like how to like using constraints in practice, and like there's like that idea of like you don't necessarily need to practice things that you would do exactly in uh, like a competition setting. But the fact that you're solving problems is actually what you want to be doing because it creates like an adaptable problem solver rather than like you're adjusting a skill set or a technique. So that is interesting. Like something that sounds the most interesting is that not being able to dink. Then you just become more creative and you try to like figure out how to solve the problem, whether or not that problem would be realistic in the competition setting. They say like still helps because you just learn how to figure things out. Yeah, I think the problem solving is 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 obviously super important, and you're doing it in a you're doing it in a regular pickleball match as well. There are more well defined metas in in a pickleball match, a normal one, but being able to solve problems leads to be able to to be able to do it in real matches. And so, I think some of the interesting part about this is I'll come up with an idea, and like you know, we have to stay eight feet away from the net instead of seven and i I, even i don't know how much that's going to affect things like even i don't know who's gonna who's gonna win that right we we bump out the sidelines 18 inches i'm like 
I don't know whether Ryan and Ahmed are going to win or me and John are going to win. And that's, I think, part of the fun because I'm participating in it. I'm creating the ideas. But also, like, I don't know who's going to win. Yeah. And, like, figuring out, okay, you know, if we can't dink, what do we do instead? Or one up, one back. The one up, one back video, I think, is going to be so good. It's going to be the first one that's released. So one up, one back, is it just a 1v1 or, like, your team, there's one person up and one person back? So my team. Okay. So we played against Adrian and Maximo, a couple of Austin guys who are good. They've had good results in, in some of the pro stuff. and But they're, you know, they're not like... They're not like deep run main draw pros. Um, but we decided we decided that it was one up, one back. But the way that we defined it was I couldn't volley. So at no point could I take the ball out of the air. Are you the person up front? I'm the person in – I'm staying back. Okay. Right? Okay. If I could – so I can't volley at any point and – I had to take every single third shot drop. So Jack wasn't allowed to touch the ball off of the third. Um, so we ended up in like sort of a stacked position where like I was staying back, Jack is up at the net, but I'm playing the left side, he's playing the right side. And they started to try and like dink me. I would come up, I would get the dink, I would run back because I can't volley. And like there was some, so there was so much strategy changes throughout a three-game match that like that one was so much fun. Damn, that's another thing too. Though, is like you're also mixing up what practice can look like and like making it fun, which that in in itself just makes pickleball and like the fact that you're in a pro career like more enjoyable, right? Like you're just making it more fun because it could become monotonous and. Some, sometimes like the creativity is is like lacking a little bit because you're in that same structure but damn that's so interesting yeah i mean like for that one jack got a ton of work on like poaching right like so he's up in the net he's like poaching everything i got a ton of work on on dropping and driving and setting up somebody who's gonna poach right so it was some good sort of cross training right so yeah i'm super super stoked about about those videos yeah, that's going to be sweet. I think they'll crush. But like we talked about before, we have no <laughs> idea what's going to crush and what doesn't. Yeah, because there's a video you have about like bangers use this or like use this against bangers. And you watch like other channels and like historically the videos about bangers have very high like uh, view rates and like retention rates. But then you look at the video you post, I think it's only like 30 or 60,000 views, which is good, but it's not like as high as those other channels where it's like, Oh, do this against a banger when their videos got like 400,000 views. You're like, what? It's, it's weird. If you like try to hit on a very similar and relevant topic. Yeah. I, I, if somebody is a YouTube expert, like hit me up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've got good ideas, but I am not like, actually that's a pretty legit request. Like if somebody's a YouTube expert for sure, like shoot me a DM or something. Cause like, I try to surround myself by people who are smarter than, than I am. Like I would say, unless Ben or Colin is listening to this, I'm probably smarter than you at pickleball, but I'm sure you're smarter than me at YouTube and a million other things. So like, yeah, I, I have good ideas for content. Like I feel like I know what to, to teach Sally or, you know, some good ideas for, 
for fun matchups, but like I'm no expert in titles or editing or any of that stuff. That's for sure. From what I saw, like they seem good. Like the thumbnails seem good. It's like straightforward using kind of like an arrow to help like grab attention. The colors are like uh, complementary, and there's like decent amount of contrast and it's pretty consistent. You're always in the thumbnail too. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I got some of the basics down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some of the basics. What has been like the difference between Frank when you were with Franklin versus like now with pro XR? Yeah. So I would say like with, with Franklin, I was very much like a, a sponsored player, right? Like it was kind of a, you know, use our paddle, make some posts and you know, that's more or less it. But you know, the cool thing with, uh, with, Pro XR was when I started speaking to them, you know, they were really interested in bringing somebody in who was an expert in the, in the field and had business knowledge. And so I'm actually an employee of the parent company, the private equity firm, 35 capital. So I'm the director of pickleball strategy for, for 35 capital, which their whole strategy was, is to, they started out with Pro XR, but they're looking to acquire and merge with a bunch of different brands within pickleball, whether that's clothing or shoes or whatever. You know, the best example here is they just announced UPP, the United um, uh, Paddles Partnership or Pickleball Partnership. And that brought together PaddleTech, ProXR, and Boundless Pickleball under one umbrella. These guys wanted me not only as a as a player but for my like I guess industry expertise whether that's designing paddles or knowing um knowing people's preferences or connections or or whatever they wanted me on the business side of things and so it's been an absolutely unbelievable partnership because like you know they pay me to give give certain advice to them and as a result of that like they listen when I have some, some two cents. So, but yeah, no, they're unbelievable partners to me. Like they make me feel like a, a true partnership rather than a, you know, a, a sponsorship. And yeah, I mean, I'll be with ProXR 35 capital for forever. So that's another huge thing. It's like, man, you just like figuring out how to be an asset in so many ways. Like you're not just, uh, like, yeah, you're not just trying to think of like things on the surface level or just like a one time off thing, like just being a sponsored player. It's like, okay, like how can I actually be an asset to the company? Damn, that's sick. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty fortunate throughout all of this, right. Where like, there's a bunch of chaos in pro pickleball world, right? Like I'm very fortunate where I, I have a paycheck coming regardless of, of what happens. It takes some of that stress out and yeah i just can't say enough how how awesome and that those guys have have been it makes me want to promote them more too right like they listen to me and it just makes me feel better about about even about them like so yeah and i think that's you know that's those are the best partnerships right where like both people are in it for for good reasons that's awesome that is like something so big though right it's like you're not just uh, making a name for yourself as like an image, but like your knowledge, it's like knowledge is really like what you ultimately kind of want to be compensated for or make like a living off of like knowledge. Like we just talked about 
doesn't require you to be physically in a place. You could like write books. There's just so much like passive income streams, but also people like seek you out because like if you have knowledge that puts you in like a niche in a way because you have like, your own independent way of thinking and your way of approaching things, which has clearly like been working out for you. Like I can't really can't think of many other players that are kind of doing what you're doing. I think Ben, because he has that lifetime deal with Yola, like I'm sure he has a lot of influence on what their direction of pickleball does, like goes in the direction they go. Um, but yeah, that's super cool. Uh, yeah, I guess he has like pickleball getaways and a lot of other like small ventures. But do you guys have like anything that you're able to like talk about as far as like releases or like maybe paddle technology? Jack had like briefly said that there's like some they're working on paddle stuff but he didn't go into like any detail about it yeah i mean if you're a good paddle company you're always working on on stuff like r&d never stops and and you know they've branded themselves as a as a tech company and they we are constantly like you know uh, uh experimenting with with new stuff so yeah we'll have a new line at some point in 2024 um there's not a whole lot that i can say um but you know 2023 was a really good year for for pro xr like we sold a ton of those those paddles not without a little controversy but hey you know <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, am i am i the most controversial player in pickleball at this point with serves <laughs> with paddles with with opinions on tours like you know i, I gotta that's be a, up there at least yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good i think that's a good brand for yourself and I'm like, I'm not even like a confrontational guy, like at all, really. But, you know, no, you're like one of the nicest guys. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, Until you really get to know me, then like you saw how nice of a guy I am over at over at practice. Yeah, yeah. Like once you get to lab. know me, I turn from nice guy to like asshole. But like, I'm a nice asshole. Yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. I don't know how many <laughs> of those exist, but. Uh, yeah, dude, your paddle was a hit. Like, yeah, your paddle was a hit. I'm excited to see, like, what y'all also work on. Um, that's pretty crazy that they also acquired Paddle Tech. I hear good things about Annalise Paddle. Mm-hmm. That's Poppy. That's Poppy. It's um, Merge. So it's not, like, fully, like, an, an acquisition. Oh, so it's a merge. A little bit okay. different. Yeah. So, yep, yep. Um, speaking of... Every time I hear a merger, I just think of PPA and MLP. So yeah, for sure. now, now my brain is going to like PPA. Yeah, but this Whoa. one happened. They signed, <laughs> they signed the deal. Like, they're good. <laughs> um, what have your thoughts been on the like recent changes of probably just like, well, I guess like the past month, but the, I think progressive draws have been happening for like a few months now. But mo main two things, also because Tyson posted about it, but the Vulcan ball and the progressive draws. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been, I've, I think I first mentioned progressive draws probably, and I didn't say it with that wording, but I was talking about alternative formats to, to the current or to the previous one day tournaments for probably since the beginning of last year. Oh, right. And so why, because you need to solve the problem of not knowing when players are going to play like players need to have a schedule and they need to be able to do that for for fans they need to be able to do that for the player and they need to be able to do that for television and gambling like 
you can't really do any of those things without a set schedule or at least like a followed by schedule like right so i i, I like the progressive draw a lot um it just it makes sense you play a men's doubles a men's singles and a mixed doubles in a in a given day you got three matches and you're you're done and then you play the draw over a couple of days um i i think it makes a ton of sense this past weekend was not a progressive draw so that was like tough on the body the progressive draw you're limited to like in the early rounds you might have multiple matches but in the later rounds you are only having a like three matches per day if you're in all the different events so i think tyson likes the progressive draws he says one serveral needs to go two vulcan ball needs to go three progression draws need to stay my body was so trashed after 10 individual games of singles i was 60 to 70 percent at most during mixed day not fair to fans my mixed partner or myself that players are all beat up and suffering no way this 34 year old dad can handle stuff days like that progression draws is the answer that's oh. another guy who's done really good with like brandon yeah he's done he's done a ton of side. stuff yeah. for sure um yeah he's got all the same avenues youtube camps um you know all that stuff so yeah so i, I think progression draws are good um the serve rule the new serve rule i don't think solves anything um, it's still an impossible to enforce rule, which I think means it's a bad rule. Um, it makes sense. Like, I thought the whole point was to like, keep it below someone's like belly button because like it, at some point or like oh, their hip or whatever, there's like some area, but now you still can't really tell. Yeah. They just moved it from one point where you can't enforce it to a different lower point where you can't enforce it, right? Like before it was your belly button and nobody knows where the belly button is. Now it's the top of the hip. I'm like, oh, we changed it. We made it better. No, you just changed where the problem occurs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think they should just not have like a serve rule? I think if you want a rule that is... If you want to continue with the way that pickleball has been played i think that the best way to do it is to utilize the drop serve because there's one thing to enforce it's are you simply dropping the ball and then the refs don't have to look at anything um i think any changes to loosening up serve rules would i think need to probably add additional dimensions to the court so like what I was thinking of is, you know, if you really wanted to say, okay, you can serve however you want, you'd probably need to put in a service line or, um, or like make the person serve from further back behind the court. But I think a big part of pickleball is the fact that we're not serving overhand. I think the overhand serve is probably the biggest barrier to entry for tennis players. It's really hard. And I think eliminating that barrier to entry is huge for pickleball. So I don't think pickleball would want to go to any sort of like completely free service rule just because I think it's great for amateurs to be able to come in and, and play. But I think the drop serve sort of does accomplish it, right? If you utilize the drop serve, 
you are free to swing however you want once the ball hits the ground. Like the height that you drop it from, it's because it's like a pickleball and it's also landing on like the court surface. Have you noticed like a big difference if you're like, like is one more advantageous than the other in terms of like the height of where you drop it? Are you like usually trying to drop it like from as high as you physically can? Yeah. Um, yeah, you want to drop it from as high as you can, but it's not like if your goal is to make the ball bounce as high as possible, you want to drop it from as high as possible up to a certain probably there's probably an upper limit to how high a pickleball can bounce. Um, but yeah, you want to drop it from higher in order to um, in order to like get the ball to bounce higher, yeah. make your contact point higher. But it, it neutralizes things a little bit because even if you're seven feet tall, the ball isn't bouncing all that much higher yeah. if you're six feet tall. Yeah, I mean, like, as much as I'm in favor and always have been in favor of, like, letting the serve be a, a weapon, um, I really dislike unenforceable rules. Sounds on par with someone who enjoys creating controversy. <laughs> does it though <laughs> creating i'm like i'm gonna read the rules and i'm gonna use the rules to my advantage like 100 yeah. but the rules are the rules like i don't try to play outside of the rules but if something's written like it is the way that it is and i'm gonna play by the rules you're gonna get it as close as you possibly can 100 like the pro xr paddles absolutely <laughs> yeah. if there's a limit there's a limit yeah. like but don't change the goalposts once, like, if we found a way to, to like, get to that limit. Yeah. God, do you know how many people you pissed off with the chainsaw, sir? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, very, I'm well aware. <laughs> that was such a like, iconic time, though. Like, the... Like in the pro scene, of course, it was like very interesting, but even like in the amateur scene, like I had a guy who like became very good at doing it and he was like doing it to like three O's and three fives and people were just so, so sour. Yeah. Um, you know, I have plenty of opinions on the, on the chainsaw serve. Um, yeah, it sounds like that guy reading this chainsaw serve was just as much of a skill as doing the chainsaw serve so like there was there was never a single unpredictable chainsaw serve you can absolutely always 100 percent anticipate which way it's going to bounce it's just unfortunate that that tip didn't come out until after people were so pissed <laughs> well i mean it did and i think a big part of the the reason why i was upset by the rule change was that the rules committee used USA Pickleball Rules Committee just used incorrect logic. Like some of their logic was that the ball bounces unpredictably and that's just, that's not true. Like let's have a conversation about the fact of the matter and then we can decide whether we want to ban this or not. But like, like decisions were made based on false information. Which like, if we want to ban the chainsaw serve, let's ban the chainsaw serve, but let's have an informed conversation about it. It's weird that they, I don't have anything against them. I just think it's weird that there's no like other governing body and that like the pros and I guess it does trickle down to the amateurs. Just, you just have to adhere to whatever they say. Like, like you said, there's no like conversation about it. There's no like informed, you know, like decision or like argument against it. 
it's just like this is the reason why and if it doesn't make sense then it still gets enforced well i think there's like you know there's some comment periods and whatnot um yeah i i think you know i've said this on on the dink podcast as well but like we're at the point, certainly, where we need different governing bodies for different objectives. USA Pickleball does a great job of growing amateur participation. The objective of the PPA is not to grow amateur participation, right? It is to create the best product, pickleball product, for television. In every single sport, there's different rules based on different objectives, right? Like, you know, little kids soccer, they use a tiny little goal, a tiny ball, and a tiny field, right? They don't play soccer on the same field that the World Cup is played on, right? Like, if you're playing, if you're playing for, for kids, you use these set of rules. If you're playing in college, you use this set of rules. Uh, adult soccer will use this type of rules. Professional soccer will use this type of rules. You need rules for the objective that you're trying to accomplish, right? And so I think that USA Pickleball and professional pickleball are going to continue to diverge in a few different ways. That would be hilarious, though, to see, like, kids playing on World Cup. Can you imagine? With a ball that's, like, half the size of them. But that's what we're doing right now. We have professionals playing the game pretty much the exact same way that like you know 90 year olds are playing the game it doesn't make sense to do that yeah yeah it's yeah i guess they're not outfitting it to like the specific context it's just kind of using like a broad generalization do you have any influence on you probably don't based on the way you tweet any influence on like rules or regulations like do any of the pros really yeah, I mean, like our our opinions, I think are 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 certainly considered. Um, you know, several of the different things that we had talked about on the podcast got implemented by by MLP. Um, whether that was switching sides at the end of every game, um, you know, a challenge system. Um, I think we we had talked about a progression draw. We had talked about changing out the balls every game. You know. Pickleball is absolutely not a solved sport at the professional level. And so if there's good ideas, kudos to the people who, who take good ideas at this point and implement them. Yeah. So uh, there's going to be, I think we've been responsible for some, others have been responsible for others. And, you know, kudos to the leagues for acknowledging that this is a very new sport with new problems and there might be a better way. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of a better way, the Vulcan ball. How do you feel about the Vulcan ball? I think that Vulcan is going to make some changes to their ball. I'd have to imagine. What a polite way to say it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> uh, so it sucks for in for pros, I think. But like I'd say for amateurs, it is probably a very good ball. It solved the big problem of Duras that they break. At our level, they go out of round too quickly, um, which creates a lot of bad bounces. Um, when they're round, they play pretty well. They go out of round quickly. So um, they they seem to generate a little bit more spin than, than Dura's did. Um, they seem to play 
pretty they play uh pretty differently based on the conditions and temperature so in cold temperatures they seem to play faster than a dura in warm temperatures they seem to play slower than a dura so the the variation between temperatures seems to be uh larger with with the ball but yeah i mean it's uh there are a lot of a lot of bad bounces with this ball for sure you know i think eric like in our semifinal match on center court, like he whiffed a return and like dude's a pro athlete. Like he's not going to just whiff a random ball. Like there, there are a lot of bad bounces. So like the Vulcan is like going out of shape versus like I, the, the Dura is oblong, right? Like I feel like they're naturally like some of them are just like oblong and they like have weird bounces, but I guess you're kind of saying that the Vulcan comes like, initially it's a standard like what you would expect but then over time it starts to like morph yeah i'd say that they just you hit them a couple times and they go out of round relatively quickly yeah i'd say the duras seem to hold their shape better oh uh, well, but they okay. also crack right i've never yeah. cracked a vulcan ball oh really yeah. oh damn it's interesting uh i always I also like, probably throw them away because they go out around <laughs> first, but <laughs> oh, so it's like a whichever problem comes first. Yeah, I would say you know the interesting thing is the the useful life of a Dura and a Vulcan is probably a better conversation because, um, you know Dura's problem is they crack, Vulcan's problem is they go out of round, and so for an amateur, if it's slightly out of round, it doesn't matter quite as much an amateur is more concerned with whether their ball cracks or not for a pro where we're going to change out balls every game, or we're going to use new balls every practice. Like it's not as important to us how long the balls last, but the quality of the ball as we're playing with it. Um, so I have no doubts that the, the Vulcan is a very good ball for, for most players. Um, it needs some improvements at the pro level. Hopefully they do like change that. Like, or they they're just able to like move quickly on like iterating if they think that that's a like a critical component. I think like the Selkirk like I was like I was practicing with my buddy yesterday and we were just like checking out the Selkirk. We're at like Eastside Paddle Club. They just have a bunch of like Selkirks and initially it was great because you're like oh man the durability and like the half life of these balls is great like we don't have to keep buying like multiple balls but then once you realize like over time like oh this sucks the ball just gets soft and then you're like oh man like the durability has its uh has its like drawback because it just gets softer and you're like oh shit this ball's like super soft now and yeah it's interesting I mean, it's like tennis balls going dead, basically, right? Like, pickleballs kind of go dead, too. They might not ever, a tennis ball might not ever break, but it becomes unusable. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is, like, Alzheimer's now. Uh, can you go into, like, how did that start? I know you raised, you and... I guess you could say uh, the organization and everyone who like contributed to it, like raised nearly like $200,000, but like, how did it, what was like the inception and like, what is like kind of the future for it? Yeah. So thanks for asking. Cause I love to, I love to shout these guys out when I can. Um, so um, 
Alzheimer's runs in in my family on my on my dad's side. Um, my grandma passed away from Alzheimer's, and I'm not gonna lie, it was it was rough. Like just she was the nicest person, and she turned into like the most confused and cranky and nasty old lady, which she was somebody who just when when she was her um she's the nicest person i knew and when the disease took over like she didn't know what was going on and she was just awful and so it really changed her and had a you know it was not fun to fun to watch so um you know as i started to grow some of my my platforms and have more success in pickleball I started to look for a nonprofit partner and Alzheimer's was something that came to mind because of my, you know, family experience with it. And I looked at some of the national, um, big, you know, the Alzheimer's association, Alzheimer's foundation, like the big, um, nonprofits and the accountant in me took over and I looked through their financials and I was seeing that they weren't giving a tremendous amount of their revenue to the actual research. And so I didn't end up doing anything with any of these, these companies. And I taught this clinic in actually just the beginning of 2023 at Sage Hill Inn here in Austin. Have you ever been there by the way? Dude, it's sweet. They got four pickleball courts. They Is that got... where like your video, like some of those videos are formed or filmed? I haven't done any videos there, okay. but um, yeah, it is the perfect like little pickleball getaway place. So shout out to those guys. Me and Jenny do staycations there all the time. But um, we, I did a clinic there, and there's this guy who like emailed my team, and he was like, "Hey, I hurt myself, but I still want to come and watch." And the guy was in a boot, and so he was he was just sitting there while I was teaching the the clinic. And he had this thing on his on his chest that said "Stop Alzheimer's Now," and I was like, "Hey, what is that?" He was like, "Oh, this is a nonprofit that I run. We give a hundred percent of all of the revenue that we take in to Alzheimer's research." And I was like, "Oh, dude, sweet! I've been looking for somewhere to to work with that uh, that actually gives the money to to research." And so. I looked through their financials and sure enough, actually they have one expense. You legally have to run your uh, accounting and tax preparation expense through the nonprofit. So basically like every year they spend like $500 on that. So, but, and then the guy, Sean, who runs it covers that himself. So really a hundred percent of, of what's given to them is sent to, to research. And so I was like, you know, there's no better way to, to give back to that cause. Um, and Sean's been an awesome partner in that. And I think it's something that we can continue to, to grow. And I think it's pretty cool to be able to use a platform to, to raise 200,000 bucks for, for a really good cause and, you know, make a, make a difference in that way. So the money goes towards research who's running it? Is it like a nonprofit organization or is it like a single individual that's who runs stop Alzheimer's now or the research uh, stop Alzheimer's now? So I think they have a board. Um, I would say Sean McDuffie is kind of for the most part in charge of it. He lives here in, in Austin. Um, he's actually the guy we play at his court. Um, 
and that's where a bunch of the highlight clips come oh, from. Okay. So, so that might the be what banner. You, yeah. Like oh, okay. Yep. So he's kind of in charge of it, but there's a board and whatnot. And then the board decides where the money is going to go. So, you know, they've funded different sort of high risk research programs at different universities like Temple University um, and, and several others. Um, so yeah, basically the money that they raise goes to different research programs at universities. Damn. That's interesting. So it's that, yeah. Focused on finding a cure. Yeah. That's crazy that they're able to give a hundred percent of the proceeds to, uh, the research. Yeah. I mean, Sean did it for a, a similar reason to, to me, like his Alzheimer's runs in his family. Both of his parents passed away from it. Um, and so he really runs it and fronts the costs because for him, it's either like donate to the American Alzheimer's association, which only 10% of his donation is really going to go to research or he does it himself, runs it, fronts the administrative costs and gives the money directly to, to research and does his own thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm very, very fortunate to, to have found that. And I think it's a really great partnership. Yeah. Like the, the percent that they like give back is very interesting because I remember I like read a post on Reddit of all places. Uh, this actually does have some credibility. Um, but they were talking about that. They're like, how do you find like, uh, like an organization that's willing to like, uh, give up more of like the, the contribution and like the total percentage and then someone else was commenting and it was just like, well, see, it's not that easy to, uh, to just like give everything up because it's like, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. If you, if you do, then you tend to not get the highest quality talent and like typically the people in the role that like, well, one, like how many people really want to work at a nonprofit? And then like the two is like how many very skilled people want to be able to do that level of work because it does require a lot of work if the pay is low. So they're like, they're saying like, they're just kind of like making the argument that if you wanted to draw the best talent to help this cause or like any cause, you usually, you know, you want someone who's very like proficient at this, uh, the desired skill needed. And that typically requires a higher like uh, pay or salary. So it's like, that's interesting. For sure. Well, um, you got to spend money to make money, right? Yeah. And so Goodwill gets in trouble like every year because their CEO makes seven figures. He's making millions of dollars. But, but at the same time, like, is it worth it? And so... The percentages were bad, in my opinion, for for the uh, for the national uh, foundations, but it's it was also they didn't have phenomenal scores on like Charity Navigator, which is a it's a site that sort of evaluates how efficiently they use donations. So if I'm trying to put together an event and there are so if I put together a crappy event and I can raise $100 and give it all to charity, or I can raise $10,000 and spend 1000 my ratio of donation is going to be worse, but my overall contribution is going to be better if I spend money to make money. So the percentages isn't the only thing, of course, but they're, they also just weren't using the money as efficiently as I would like. So I oversimplified to, to use the percentage, but, yeah, yeah. um, 
you're absolutely you're absolutely correct yeah no so, i get what you mean though yeah mm-hmm. yeah the alzheimer's is like tough i don't know if my grandma had alzheimer's or dementia my mom had said dementia but like i don't know if she was like 100 percent right but it's definitely weird like as a progression happens because my grandma would be like oh like how was class and she like thought i was like in high school and i would see her like it was maybe like four years ago and she like just thought i was like still in high school um and like the conversations are short or like repetitive and you're like it's also like tough because you're like damn like is what we're like talking about or the time that was spent the moment really going to be like savored or like on her end i guess or like on whoever's end it is so yeah it's definitely interesting yeah, they you know they kind of have the same stories that they sort of go through, or their their own mental things that stick out to them. Um, Sean actually put it a really interesting way that I had never thought about. But Alzheimer's and dementia are are diseases of the memory. Not only do they take your the the affected person's memory, but they take everybody else's memory, right? Because it would be really easy for me to remember my grandma as like a cranky old lady, which she absolutely wasn't. But for the last five years of her life, that's what she was. It wasn't her, but that's what she was. And so it like, it almost makes you remember that family member in a negative way, even though it was the disease and not really them. So he mentioned that like, it takes away your memories as well as theirs, which is, which was a way that I hadn't really thought about it before but it makes so much sense yeah yeah that also makes sense because like typically our memories of people are usually like of the last time we saw them or spent time with them and then also like the negativity part like humans in general just naturally gravitate towards negativity so that's tough i mean i think that's also like a lesson or like something to take away is like if you have if you know someone with alzheimer's or dementia then try to remember them in like who they were maybe before it all happened. Uh, damn, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, Not easy to do, obviously, but yeah. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you wanted to talk about? No, nothing, nothing in particular that like that stands out to me. I mean, I love just kind of the, the free flowing conversation. Yeah. So this is, uh, this has been interesting from (laughs) watching your uh videos on youtube like three years ago and then uh being able to sit down and have a conversation with you has been like super cool you've always been uh despite what you may have said about being a nice asshole you've (laughs) been like super nice even before like this i would always like randomly see you and you're like super cordial so i appreciate that um you this is kind of similar to jack which that episode hasn't gone out but i was like we were kind of talking about how he's like kind of an ambassador since he's like kind of on that younger side and on the uh, like collegiate side too. And I think like you're kind of in that same vein. Like I think like we can be grateful that you touch on a lot of different aspects of the sport that you're not just a player, but like you bring a, you bring a good image to like clinics, YouTube, to the business side of things. You, I'm not a pro, so I maybe can't say this like confidently, but I think you generally have like the right or like, the best intentions for like everyone and wanting to have like uh like a fair and consistent and like good playing experience um so it's been cool man uh, yeah i appreciate it yeah dude thank you so much for having me on and i like doing these 
uh, those, these longer form type of things. And it's, it's not an easy thing to sit in, in your chair and, and ask this. And, and, you know, for the people listening, we, we had a good, what, 45 minute call beforehand going through, going through some of this and doing some research. So you really do your, your background work, which is why I think this is such an interesting podcast to listen to. And also, uh, an interesting conversation for, for me to have. Yeah. Right. I'm sick of the, the surface level. Like how <laughs> How'd do you, you get into pickle? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. If you asked me that, I probably would have walked out. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to open up with that just to be like, just to f- with you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you would have got me. <laughs> I got scared. I was like, nah, just like, don't do it. I'm kidding me. <laughs> Are we doing this? Why'd you ask me 45 minutes of questions? If you're going to open with, how'd you get into pickleball? <laughs> What's your uh, favorite tournament? Yeah. What's, what's your, your favorite best shot? shot? Yeah. yeah. No, no. That's an immediate no. Immediately no. Yeah. Uh, no, I appreciate you saying that, man. I try to create an experience, something a little bit different, but also just show the side that people don't get to see, right? Like, I think with like the, it kind of started with the founders. We always get to see the product, but we don't get to see like who's behind it, who's making it happen. And I think it's the same thing with players. There's so many of this very similar story that's talked about. It's like, oh, like I used to play this professional sport and now I'm in pickleball. It's like, okay, well, like there's clearly more about more to you. I think like your daily checklist stuff and how you operate, hopefully people take a lot away from that. I mean, especially with how many people are aspiring to be pros. There's just so many, so much more opportunity than just being a player. Yeah. Um, where can more people find out more information about you and like things that you're working on? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, the thing that I enjoy the most is definitely YouTube. So I'm on YouTube at Zane Navratil Pickleball. I'm on basically every social media as Zane Navratil Pickleball. And uh, there's some good good nuggets throughout throughout all those things. I've also got a website, um, ZaneNavratilPickleball.com or ZN Pickleball if you can't spell my last name, um, which is understandable. So... I'd say yeah, check check me out on uh, on socials or or YouTube. Yeah, That's the main thing. Yeah, I forgot to mention uh, you're also the co-host of the Pickle Pod, and no offense to the previous host, but <laughs> you're a you're a great uh, addition or replacement. Yeah, I'm texting Tyson right now. <laughs> cool man, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having me on, dude. Too. Yeah, I hope you liked it. If you if you like it, I'll uh, I'll get you hooked up with with Scott and Jeff. They're they're cool dudes. Yeah, I didn't chug it, so like I was like able to sip on it, so it's not bad. Had a boy. Well, okay. sweet. Thank Hopefully. you, man. Yeah. I really do. I. You-